All right. Everyone can take a seat. Isn't it nice in here? It just feels so nice. Am I the only one that thinks that? I just feel like singing again, continually singing. Yay. Why not, man? When you're in love, people that are in love, they sing. Do you know that? Right, Dan? He's a singer. <laughs> uh, today I'm going to talk about the goodness of God. Woo! Should we read some scripture? I got to stay on point or I'm going to fly off into the heavenlies. <laughs> Woo! Okay. <laughs> uh, maybe I should fly off into the heavenlies. Yeah, well, we'll just all go together. <laughs> we don't have to sober up because now someone's telling us something. We can just enjoy. Let the Lord possess the vessel and speak to you through me. Woo! Does that sound good? So we're going to talk about the goodness of God. I'm going to read some scriptures to you. Don't worry about turning there because there's a lot. Uh, Exodus 34, 6 says, The Lord, the Lord, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. First uh, Chronicles 16, 34, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Come on now. For his mercy endures forever. Ezra 3, verse 11 says, And they sang responsively praise. This is us today. Praising and giving thanks to our Lord, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Psalm 25, 8 says, good and upright is the Lord. I think we're following a theme here. Okay. Uh, Psalm 145, verse 9, the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all of his works. Okay, Mark 10, 18, it's pretty bold. No one is good but one that is God. I mean, uh, we could just mic drop and leave, okay? No one's good but God, amen. Carry on, okay? <laughs> Woo, Matthew 7, 11. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Why? Because he's good. Ooh, Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is what? Good. Taste it and see it. That means we're experiencing something. Blessed is the man or woe man who trusts in him. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> the more I'm reading, the more I'm like getting wrecked by just the word. <laughs> Uh, okay, <laughs> here's the deal. God is good. <laughs> right, Kai? <laughs> and that hasn't changed. He's still good. The goodness of God is still running through the earth right now and in your life, whether you realize it or not. Who? He hasn't changed. Amen. <laughs> see, what's changed is the way we see it. Let's go to Genesis 3. <laughs> uh, 
Is it okay to laugh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you need to laugh. <laughs> the goodness of God is alive and well. He is good. He is awesome. And his goodness is in our lives. See, but what I've found is I've been Christian a long time. What I found is that what the enemy likes to do is he wants to get us to question God's goodness. He wants to sow a lie inside of our mind in our own voice and uh, try and make us question God ever being good to us and that God has an ulterior motive or he's, that goodness was there when I just got saved and then it went somewhere else or I did something to make it go away. And if the enemy can begin to get us to question God, it's almost like it starts drying up over our lives because our faith in it is gone. And we see this happen from the beginning of humankind, Genesis 3, verse 1. We're, ta- uh, we're going go, to look at the fall of man. Now the serpent was more cunning than the beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And, and he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the tree, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it nor shall you touch it lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you'll not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of your eyes, you'll eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate with her. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They were, so they sewed fig leaves together okay, and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man went on blaming the woman. (laughs) She blamed the serpent. Everyone's blaming someone. See, it didn't start that way. God didn't create man, and then they started blaming things. God created them. We know in creation, he made something, it was good. He made something else, he saw that that was good too. Why? Because God's good. Everything he makes is good. And here, here the, the success of the enemy caused the fall of man. And what was it surrounding? The goodness of God. Because what the enemy was saying to Eve was, did God really say you couldn't have that fruit? You know, would God withhold something from you? Because you know your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And her first response was, because you know, the enemy came and he's like, did God really say? Her first response was strong. It was like, oh, no, this is what God said. This is how we live. It's good. But he pushed it further and was like, well, you know, God's really withholding something from you because you know when you eat it, you'll get better. You'll get more wisdom. You'll get, you'll, uh, you'll, the eyes, your eyes will be, uh, uh, you'll have understanding of good and evil. Like, you know, so really if you eat it, you'll be better. So what, what he was saying was, God's withholding something from you from being better. 
She was strong the first time. The second time the lie came, she gave in. And what happened was was separation and fear and hiding. Did you notice that God wasn't like, and in that moment, he was repulsed by them, and he fled from them. It said, in that moment, after they hid, God came to look for them. His goodness, he's still good in himself, even though they just did that, and they questioned his goodness. He still came looking. Where are you, Adam? I hid myself. But if Eve would have remained in the stance of no devil, like Jesus accomplished, this is what God said, and he's good. He's good to me. This garden is good. I've had all of his goodness, and I know he wouldn't withhold something that was good for me. And in this day and age, that kind of thing is still happening in our lives. We get to a level in our, in our walk with God, and the enemy comes in. Oh, is God really going to fulfill that prophetic word? Look at all these other people living their lives, for living their best life. Okay. Who's really? <laughs> I don't like that hashtag, man. But the enemy, enemy rides in on it, and he's, he's like, because he knows from the beginning of time he caused all of mankind to fall just by getting Eve to question the goodness of God and then act on it. And, and we, we live our lives sometimes in head spins and, and, and we're depressed and we hate our lives and we're wondering where God is because somewhere down the line we questioned his goodness and we let it go. But I got good news for you today, amen. He's still good. His goodness is flowing. No matter what hell is trying to tell you. Amen. So we're, we're going to realize, because some of us get taken advantage of because you don't realize the tactic of the enemy. He's, he's trying to get in your mind to question God. Well, if you really were blessed in the goodness of God, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, lies. We're going to move on. <laughs> I was like about to just go full force guns to the end of my sermon, but we're not going to do that, Okay. But I want to lay a picture for you because we, sometimes we believe the goodness of God has gone away and it's still there. It's just a lie. We just got to, we got to reject the lie, believe the truth, and, and move forward. Amen. Better and better. Hallelujah. Okay, Romans 2 verse 4. Let's go there. I just love declaring this kind of stuff because it just shoves the devil. <laughs> hi -yah! Romans 2 verse 4 says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness? There it is. Forbearance uh, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. The goodness. His goodness is so good, it will cause you to want to turn away from the things that are not of him and go towards him. Come on, we want to preach hell, fire, brimstone. You're all going to hell, burn all this stuff to people. And God's like, that's not my primary form of wanting to tell people about me. It's my goodness. I want my goodness to lead people to repentance. I want my love to overwhelm them that they see it so much better than this life without him. The goodness of God is what we need a revelation of the most in our lives because it keeps us on the straight and narrow. Goodness. 
Yeah, I know God's good. Do you? Yeah, he know, I know he loves me. John 3, 16, for God to love the world. Okay. Why do why, why you feel like you're blaming God for not having the breakthrough yesterday? You know what I mean? Can I be real? Yeah, God loves me. It's like, especially if you've been a Christian a while. God loves me. He's amazing. That's great. That's, yeah, better and better. Woo, Monday comes, and you're like depressed, anxious, angry at the world. Because the goodness of God has to manifest in our lives. It can't just be a head knowledge. It has to be a reality that we know and live in, that in the good or bad, right or wrong, I know he's good. And I wish Eve would have done that in the garden. We would have all been somewhere else right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's go to Luke 15. Luke 15, 15 and verse 11. Uh, Jesus, help me. And he said, <laughs> a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of my goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered it all together, and long story short, he partied. Okay? And then, when, verse 14, when he had spent all he had, there arose a famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. He was starving. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired service, servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Hallelujah. I love this. Verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I'm no longer worthy to be called, called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf here and kill it and let's eat and party. That's what are you saying. For my son is dead, now he's alive. Verse 25, now his older son was in the field and as he came, he drew near to the house. He heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of the servants and said, what's going on? Verse 27, he said to him, your brother has come because he received him safe and sound. Your father has killed the most amazing cow. Okay, verse 28, but he was angry. The, bro the big brother's angry. He wouldn't go in. He's, I'm not going to that party. So the father came out to him and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, don't you love the King Jimmy remix? <laughs> Lo, these many years I've been serving you have never transgressed your commandment at any time, yet you never gave me a goat that I might have a party with my friends. Verse 30, but as, do you love this? But as soon as uh, the son of yours came back, he's pretty much saying this, this little devious dude comes back, devoured your livelihood, took, took with prostitutes, and you're killing a cow for him? Verse 40, 31, he said, Son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. It's right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead, and now he's alive again. He was lost, now he's found. I used to read this scripture and um, think about it was like, 
It was all about how the son came, the, you know, the, the naughty son. I always thought it was always about him coming to his senses. Like, yeah, see how a life can turn around. Like, you can come to your senses, and sometimes people have to walk in the wilderness to get to their senses. And you can get that out of the scripture. But this week, the Lord showed me that this son, the, the, the rebellious son who went and used up all of his inheritance, he came back and he got a revelation of the goodness of God. Wow. You hear the jets? How did he get a, a revelation? Well, a revelation of the goodness of his dad because he was sinning and in all of his sin, he was like starving, wanting to, wanting to eat pig food. And he suddenly remembered how good his father was. He suddenly remembered how good his father was to his servants and how they, they could eat everything that they basically wanted. And, and what brought him back home was the fact that his father was so good that he was willing to go and serve his father because he remembered his goodness. Come on. And we can see the scripture and say it's great and he turned his life around, but really the revelation was the goodness of God on that father. And, and the, what happened was, is he came back, and just like in the garden, the father was looking and came after the son. The goodness of God touches the son. They have a party. It is awesome. And then the older son is mad. Have you ever felt like the older son? Sometimes I have, man. I'm like, oh, how come all these rebellious people like have the glory of God? I'm just this faithful person on the side going nowhere. Has anyone felt like that? You're like, I'm the one who needed the season change. <laughs> It's real. Okay, but the older son, okay, the older son, he's mad. I was, I was like, well, I'd probably be mad too. Okay, he, 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 but what, what happened was with him is that he'd always been in his father's house. He always had it good. He always had everything made, but he didn't have a revelation of how good his father was to him. He had no revelation. And sometimes in our lives, we're like the older son, and we're looking at everyone else and saying, why is God blessing them? Why is God breaking through for them? Not realizing that your life is filled with the goodness of God already. That older son had an amazing place to live. He had food on his table. He was blessed. And he still had an inheritance ahead of him. He was blessed. But he was mad. And we need to come to a place in our lives where we're like, Jesus, no matter what my life looks like, I'm going to believe that the goodness of God is there for me. Even if I think everyone else is getting more of it than me, I'm going to stand on it and believe it as a truth because all those scriptures that we just read say so. Okay, if you're dealing with sin in your life, goodness of God, come to me. Goodness of God, lead me to repentance. Goodness of God, help me. This is not a gospel of condemnation. John 3.16 is for God so loved you because he felt so good about you as a person. He gave his son to die for you. It's not a cute story. It's history. And sometimes, too, in life, we're like, well, I just don't feel his goodness. That's nice you're saying that, Bex, but I don't feel any goodness. Okay? We know we don't walk by sight all the time, Right? We walk by faith. But it's interesting when it comes to goodness, we all have a different measuring stick of what we think is the goodness of God. Are you with me? Okay, because, you know, I like think of, I was thinking about this and my kids, like, <laughs> Jesus, they're my sons of thunder, but they all love different kinds of things. So if I come home and try and give all three of them the same flavor shake, oh, it will go down. 
okay? Because they don't all like the same thing. One likes strawberry, one likes chocolate, and one likes vanilla. <laughs> or nilla-nilla as it used to be, okay? And if it, so, so to the one that liked the strawberry, oh, the goodness of mommy just walked in the house. Woo! But to the other two that didn't like whatever I got, it's like, oh, mommy, you, how come I didn't get it? How come they got the best shake? And <clears throat> did you get a shake? Yes, you did. Well, then that's the goodness of God. Well, it wasn't the flavor I wanted, so it's not the goodness. Okay. <laughs> we think that the goodness of God is the absence of having to go through anything. Well, if God was good, nothing would ever be hard. Okay. If God was good, there would be no struggle. And trust me, I know it's hard. I know there's a struggle. It is very real. And I'm not taking away from anyone's struggle or questions with God. But I am here to tell you that God's good in amongst anything you're facing. He's still good. Let's go to Psalm 23. And you know what? We need to allow God to define and show us his goodness over our lives so that we can see it properly. Amen? Because sometimes what we say is good is not good for us. And what we would tell God, God, this is what your goodness will look like for me. Thank you. I'll order that. He's like, is that, would be, is that what would be good for you? Because if, if I gave my kids everything that they thought would be good for them, they would be, probably have diabetes at six. They'd be rolling around, no teeth, because all the candy they ate. <laughs> they would think it was the goodness of mommy shining all over them because they got everything they wanted, but it would destroy them. You know, and, and I think about, we're like going to the gym now and trying to do this thing. Jesus, help us. And uh, I go there by force. And they tell us to lift these weights that I can't lift. <laughs> Until literally I'm like, it's, it's not working anymore. I can't do it. It hurts. Like, I feel like a jelly, you know, like the jelly man. <laughs> but it's good for me. I force myself to go there, and it hurts every time I have to lift those things. She tells me to do like three reps. I'm like, I can't. This is not good. This doesn't feel good. But it's good for me. Okay, everyone's like, Whew. it's the same with God. Well, your goodness isn't here. This does not feel good. This is not good for me. Don't tell me about the goodness of God because everyone has it but me. Okay, older brother, let's roll with Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yay, though I walk through the valley, of, no one says yay, right? Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. <laughs> For you're with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. Verse 6, which everyone loves. Surely goodness, there's the goodness, and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I got some thunder with it. Boom. Thank you, Jets, very much. So it's perfectly timed. Okay, we love to quote verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy, it's going to follow me. Yes, it is, girlfriend. Here to tell you. 
But we, we don't really like to go over the verse number four. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. You prepare a table before me where? Presence of enemies. Well, if God was good, I would not have to go through anything hard. Okay. In verse three, he's restoring your soul. But in verse four, you are walking through valleys. And he's not running in, and he took me away from the valley, and I never had to walk through the valley of the shadow. It could have been another shadow, too, like, whoa, shadow of death. That's pretty full on. Well, I walked through a shadowy forest, no, shadow of death. Not around it, not over it, though I walk through it. He's with me. Because number, verse number six says, your goodness and mercy are going to follow me but you're still going to walk through valleys. Uh, let's go to verse number five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That means he's not taking you away from your enemies in that scripture. Okay, and we will run from our enemies. Yes, there are scriptures like that. But in this context, you are right in the midst of hell with your enemies. And Jesus is with you saying, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. But he's not taking you out of it. And, and we, could, we could just stop right there and not go to verse 6 and be like, whoa, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. But he goes further, your goodness and mercy are going to follow me. Follow me after what? After the shadow of death and after the enemies. And sometimes we live our Christian lives uh, going, going uh, in de we're in denial of anything ever hard happening to us because that's not God. God's good. God's good all the time. Okay. All right, people get all crazy in your face. But they, 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 because of wounds and pain and painful things they've walked through, they cannot bear the thought of God ever letting them go through anything hard again. It's a wound, and it's a fear. But the reality is, Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble, but fear not, because I have overcome the world. We're going to go through stuff. we got to wrap our head around that. But in the stuff, he's with me. In the stuff, I'm not alone. And that's the silver lining of the goodness of God in my life. Is there a shadow of death? Yep, yep, there's a shadow of death. And there have been times in my life where I felt like I was right there, but I held on to the goodness of God. He's with me. There was enemies shooting arrows at us. Like We would have seasons where just demonic, ah, one after the other. I'm like, God. And there he is, setting a table of his presence, giving us Sundays like this, telling us it's going to be better and better and better and better. And you're like, thank you, Jesus. There's the goodness of God. Did he deliver me out of the circumstance? Not at that point, but he did eventually. Are you with me? We cannot let the enemy lie to us and say, because we're going through stuff, God's goodness is not there for us. It is. And that's the message that the Lord wants you to hear today. Are you with me? Okay, and, and sometimes, too, we live so much on what we feel and what we don't feel. We like, well, I don't feel his goodness, but also you don't feel his conviction, and you don't feel too bad about that sometimes. Can I say it? Well, I slept with this person, and I didn't feel convicted at all. And I'm not here to condemn anyone, but this, I have this happen so many times where I'm talking to people. I didn't, God loves me and I don't feel the conviction whatsoever, even though I'm doing these things are completely against scripture. But then you get all mad when you don't feel his goodness, but you don't, you don't really care about when you don't feel his conviction. The bottom line is we shouldn't be living by any feeling. 
But the, but the, the good news is, is we can feel him, but it's not our source of life. It's whatever's going on, I know he's good. It's a reality I live from, out. Amen? I live from the place of goodness out. I'm not letting all the outside dictate what I'm going to feel on the inside. And it's a battle, I know. Okay, but it's up to us to stay focused and determined to live from that reality. Does that make sense? You know, the last few Sundays I've been singing, we're not a doormat, you're not a doormat. And I've just been feeling that in the spirit. It's like the enemy wants us to be doormat Christians where we get stomped all over all the time. No way, man. I'm victorious with Jesus. It might feel like I've been stomped on, but the goodness of God is there for me, and my focus is him, not the stuff. Are you with me? Okay. Uh, Hebrews 12, 2 tells us to have our eyes fixed on Jesus, the good God. Amen? The author and finisher of our faith. But he's telling us there is a focus you're going to have to keep in your life. You can't just flail through your Christianity having your focus in 20 different places. You won't grow. Are you with me? We're loving the Jets at the same time. It is pretty cool. Okay, but here's the thing. We can't live our Christian lives being swayed to and fro by what the enemy wants to do or our family or our lives or whatever work. We've got to live from a place of, of, of determination before God. And we got to, you know, when you're thinking about the goodness of God... You need to focus on what he is doing and what he is not doing and not what he's not doing. Does that make sense? So like this scripture, Psalm 23 is a perfect example. It's like he's like, yep, I'm going through the valley of shadow of death, but he's with me. I'm in the presence of my enemy, but he's making a table. But a lot of Christians and a lot of people, we live from, well, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. Ugh. Well, my enemies are all around and I'm on the battlefield. Ugh. You would have wrote Psalm 23 very differently. You would have titled it Valley of Shadows, you know. <laughs> and we go through stuff and we're focusing on the negative and what God's not doing. And how, uh, Eve, did God really say, look what he's withholding? Lies. You know, we need to spend our lives focusing on what we're saying yes to and what, what the, you know, and if you feel like he hasn't been moving in a while, go to the last thing you felt him doing and then hang on it. Get life. It's alive still. It's eternal. Sometimes I'll just purposely go and think about all the stuff he's done for me and then I get wrecked all over again. <laughs> Has that ever happened to anyone? You like start weeping at the thought of that one thing he did for you. And instead of it being like, oh, that was the last time he did that for me, it becomes, oh my gosh, he did that for me. Ugh. Now I've gotten to a place where I'm looking so much for his goodness. Like when people share things that God has done in them, I will start weeping and be like, it happened to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, Jesus is so good. <sighs> That's him. Because I'm looking out for his goodness. Melissa knows because she was telling me a vision she had with Jesus yesterday, fully weeping. I was like, Ugh. and I thought about it later in the day after she had gone. I was like, oh, Jesus is so good. Didn't even happen to me. But I saw the fingerprint of Jesus on her experience, and I knew, whoo, I felt the goodness of God on it, and I'd learned to feed on my own experiences, so that when someone else came along, I was like, ooh, I know what that tastes like. I eat that a lot. I'll go back and feed on my testimonies, because no one can take them from me. Whoo. 
we got to focus on what he's doing, what he's done, where he's taking you. Even if you feel like it's nowhere, there is something. He's good. He would have dropped something. Even if you only have today, we were in a service where he just told you it's going to get better and better. Take it. It's yours. That was for someone else. No, your ears heard it. It's for you. We can't be like people dieting that are like, I can't have candy. I can't have cinnamon. I can't have carbs or whatever. Like, I can't have anything that tastes good. How many of dieters have done that? I'm chief of sinners. You're like, spend your whole day thinking about all the things you can't eat. But really, you need to, those kind of people, you need to focus on all the good things you can eat. I get to have this salad dressing. Hallelujah. I get to have sweet potato. Woo! It's like a carb. Good carb. I get to have salt still. Some people can't, right, Brenda? Some people have to have diets where they can't even have salt. Praise the Lord. But my focus is what the yes is, not what the no is. Are you with me? Focus, focus, focus. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus because his goodness is not leaving you. That's the truth you need to hear today. Well, what about this thing that happened? What about this? I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't have all the answers. And, and sometimes we have to get to the point in our lives where we let go. Someone described it to me this week that Christianity or living, going after Jesus is like monkey bars. You're hanging on and you got to let go to move forward. Got to let go to move forward. You're just going to hang on those monkey bars going nowhere if you're not going to let go of a hand and reach out for what's ahead of you. And you will go around in circles in your life if you can't learn the art of letting go. I have so many questions for God. I have so many. I'm like, I, I'm like, when I get to heaven, I mean, I ask him them now, but I'm not hearing any answers yet. So I figure when I, you know those big ones? I'm like, ah, but I've learned to let go of what I don't know. And I know in time, he'll show me what I need to know. That's the beauty of walking with God. But if you can't let something go and it becomes your idol that you bow down to in your heart, you'll stay in that place. You won't progress. And you can blame God all you want that he has favorites and he doesn't favor you and wears all the stuff for you. But you've been bowing down to a history. This is for someone. And the enemy is bombarding you like he did Eve. Look what God's withheld from you. Look what he's not doing for you. Look how he's not coming through for you. Look how you're stagnant. You're focused on what he's not instead of what he is. In Acts uh, 16, verse 25 to 26, we see Paul and Silas. They were imprisoned. And that didn't stop them from focusing on the goodness of God. How many of us are in prison right now? No one. Oh, there's a dose of the goodness of God already. Hallelujah. <laughs> You're like, well. Huh? Even in prison, they let their worship arise before God and their thanksgiving. It didn't matter what happened to them. Their focus was his goodness and how great he was, even to the point where, wow, they're so privileged to suffer for him. Half of Christianity today would be like, God, why am I in prison? You're supposed to be all amazing and all awesome. How come I'm here? This isn't the goodness of God. Okay. But is that going to stop you from releasing something to God that you believe he's good? Because they were not any less free in that prison than out of it. And the result of them focusing on the goodness of God was an earthquake came. Whoa, and every, everyone got their shackles off, and they were free. Focus on the goodness of God. 
Hallelujah. I wonder if that's going to come up on this. Angels, also jets. Let's go to Psalm 27. Is this helping somebody? Um, Psalm 27 and verse 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That means there's an opportunity to lose heart. I would have lost heart. It would have been over. But something carried me through. It was my belief that I would see his goodness. Verse 14 says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. See, what happens is when you start engaging with the goodness of God and believing that he's actually good, and he'll, he's good to you, even if you can't see it, it starts becoming a part of your belief system so much so that you, whoa. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, I'm not one of those preachers that can keep going. I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> a more seasoned preacher would carry on very seriously and be very great, but whatever. This is who I am. I think it's awesome. Jets are cool. I was there on Friday. It was amazing. But here we are. When you focus on the goodness of God, it starts becoming a part of your belief system, your operating system. So like me, like when I heard Melissa's testimony, I was like, oh, that's Jesus. That's so amazing. I was feeding on his goodness. It becomes something you start defending. And it's like hell tries to come and lie to you and, and say God's not being good. And all of a sudden something rises up on the inside of you. And you're like, oh, yes, he is. Oh, yeah. I'm going to defend his goodness. Oh, yeah, I got air in my lungs. Hallelujah, he's good. I can lose myself in worship and know him and walk with him. He's good. And the enemy's lies don't penetrate anymore because you're all crazy about it. You guys heard me talk like that before. You, it, the goodness of God is no longer up for negotiation because you have decided to live from the reality that he is good. So because I believe he is good, my life will reflect it. And when someone comes to threaten it, I'm like, oh, no, he's good. Oh, well, sister, the, clearly you just need to not be in denial about your life, and you're going to have to go through these 500 hard things. Fine, but he's still good. The one thing I'm in denial of is that I'm not going to believe he's not for me. I'm not going to believe that his goodness isn't shining towards me because he gave everything to get to me. So no matter what hell tries to bring, now I'm in a place where I'm not only focusing on his goodness, I'm defending it like it's a part of who I am because it is. And this scripture says, I would have lost heart, I want to put there, I would have lost heart unless I defended the fact that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Come on. I would have lost heart. I had every opportunity in my life to lose heart. But I decided to defend the fact that I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Are you with me? And I love this because it defends God's goodness, but also it defends the future ahead of you. I'm going to see his goodness where? In my land of the living. In my life. I'm defending it. It's not up for negotiation. I am not Eve. Bless her. Thank you, Jesus. She's probably listening. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Do you ever think about that? You're like, a cloud of witnesses. 
Sorry, Eve. <laughs> you know what I mean, though, okay? <laughs> Woo! Is it okay to be yourself? That's who you need to be, your authentic, anointed self. Don't try and be someone else. Woo! I was listening to someone do that the other day. I'm like, stop being that other person. I want to hear who you are. Anyway, that's another sermon. <laughs> All right, so we're defending, okay? I would have lost heart. Here's the deal. The enemy will provide opportunities for you to lose heart, but you can rise up and defend the goodness of God in your life. You are not a doormat. You are not a so-and-so floating off in the, in the pages of the universe. God made your fingerprints. He knows who you are, and he has goodness for your life. And sometimes it's a contending for it until it comes. Are you with me? Okay, we defend it. So the enemy comes. Well, God's good. Oh, is he really? Well, he's going to be good anyway. Oh, but that just happened yesterday. See, that's really not. How could God let that happen? There's one. How did God let that happen? I don't like to dwell on those questions. I shut those right out. I don't know. But God's good. He loves me. Do I need to turn on the passion of the Christ just to see his blood shed again? I'll do it. Because the enemy is all about your focus. He'll want to shift it and cause you to be in unbelief so that you stay stagnant all the days of your life. That's not your future. Amen? Okay? We need to come to a place where we're focusing on the goodness of God. And we come boldly before his throne of grace in Hebrews 11. Come on. He wants us to come boldly to him. Are you with me? Uh, let's go to, we're here, I'm um, still in Psalm 27. Verse 14 says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart like I read. Okay, he was, this writer is like, he's convinced that he see the goodness of God and he gives you the key right under it. Okay, wait on the Lord. That's what you need to do. I'm convinced I would see the goodness of God in the land of living. This is what you got to do. Just wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Don't be Debbie Downer. You do not have a struggle bus with your name on it. Amen. Remove that from your vocabulary. I'm just on a struggle bus this Monday. No, you're not. Ugh, you're on the kingdom bus, okay? Just, if you have to be on a bus, be on a good one, for goodness sake. Are you with me, though? You're all blaming God for not feeling the goodness when you're not engaging life out of your mouth and being of good courage. Do you know it takes effort to be of good courage? Don't just say, oh, yes, and be of good courage, saints. What does that look like, waking up on a Monday and scraping up all the grit you have and facing the day and saying Jesus is good no matter what? I'm being of good courage. I'm not looking at my circumstances, allowing it to dictate to me what I think about God. I know who he is. He's good. He died for me. He loves me. He's real. Are you with me? Okay, but here's the key. In all the standing and believing in his goodness, you've got to wait on him. What does that mean? Spend time with him. One of the number one things I hear from people when I spend time with them and they say, God's not there, I can't feel him, I'm in a desert, can't hear him, he loves everyone else and not me. I'm like, uh, the number one thing I say is, okay, when's the last time you spent time with him and opened up the word of God because this is Jesus. I need these podcasts. I need someone to lay hands on me. You don't understand. I need to explain my whole thing of my life for you to understand. The Holy Spirit searches all things. But this, how you treat this is how you treat Jesus. Oh, I love you better and better. Never read your Bible. I'm not here to condemn anyone. 
but there might be a disconnect between you and feeling the goodness of God and the fact that you're not spending time with him. Okay, praying with people corporately is not your personal time with God. And sometimes we blame God for all kinds of things. And he's like, I did everything for you. Could just be with me. Because when, he, when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain of separation was the first thing that God dealt with. No more separation. Spend time with the Lord. And I guarantee in time you will feel his goodness. You will, you will remember things he's done for you. And the life of God will start, God will start breathing into you again. Read the word. Okay, don't just pray in tongues for like 15 minutes a day and think you're so, but not be in the word. Okay, he's give, the, the Bible is Jesus. We got to read it and get it inside of us. Are you with me? Well, I can't feel as good. He gave a whole load of goodness right here. Eat it. Are you with me? Okay, spend time with God. Uh, Exodus 33 and verse 17 is when Moses was having his encounter with God. And God said to him, you're the person who my grace is on, and I know you by name. I read that, and I was like, <gasps> we can know God by name. He can know us by name. That's a close relationship. And if we will invest in spending time with God, I guarantee your questions about his goodness will fizzle out because you'll start seeing it for yourself. And we know, too, in that same experience that Moses had with God, Moses was so close to God, he's like, I want to see your glory. Show me all that you are, God. I want everything that you are. And what was his response? I'm going to show you my goodness. The result of intimacy with God is eyes being opened to his goodness. God could have showed his glory, but he chose to say, my goodness. That's what you need to see, Moses. You need to see it. And all of us in this room need to see his goodness. Amen. And we need to contend for it and defend it, even if all hell is looking like it's breaking loose. There has to be a crazy inside of you. Hear me. I mean, no disrespect, but it's the stance like, oh, yeah, doesn't matter. He's good. I love him. He loves me. I'm going to know. He knows me by name. I'm going to know him better than I've ever known him, and my life is getting better and better. And then you start relaying scripture. And you wait on the Lord and you spend time with him. One of the best things that you can do in your life is learn to hear the voice of God for yourself. Christianity is not a codependence on a preacher or a leader. It's a dependence on him. Otherwise, we don't need a Jesus to die on a cross if we're still going to go through a priest, go through a man. We need to learn how to grow up in our Christianity and go in the secret place and face God on a daily basis or whenever you can. Some of us, you just can't get there daily, but there is time in your week where you can give to him. Do it. I, want to sp I always say this. I want to spend my life face to face with him now so that when I die and face him, I say, hey, I just saw you the other day, Jesus. Is that how tall you are? You know, whatever. I want to be so close to him. Because that's what he died for me to have. And we're going to have communion today. I know we've gone over 15 minutes, but that's cool. We want to live our lives in his goodness and understanding that he loves us and he gave everything for us. And it's something we can live from. Amen? We need to cultivate. We need to be uh, taking up what's been given to us, his name, his blood, his spirit, his word. 
and let it become the encouragement that we need. God, I need another word. Yes, I have a lot of words for you. There's a lot. Go ahead. I've spoken already. Go and see what I said. God's not speaking to me as goodness as, yeah, it's right here. Are you with me? Is this helping somebody? I want to encourage you to engage with God and let the lies of hell diminish. No, he's good no matter what. And I believe that the future of my life is filled with goodness. Whether it's hard or not, he's with me. That's good. And sometimes we need to pray prayers of God, help me to see your goodness in everything. Help me not to see like I'm like on the diet and everything I can't eat. Let me see everything I can do with you. Let me see everything I'm going to do. Let me scale the mountains, walk on the seas, stand on your shoulders, right? And be happy as a, a lover of Jesus walking with him. We don't want to be doormat Christians. Are you with me? And some of you might not even be saved today, and we're going to have an opportunity. Can I have Mace come on up? We're going to have communion right now, but I wanted to share this message about the goodness of God before we did that because you need to understand that his face is shining towards you and that he loves you and that his goodness is not up for discussion of whether he's going to give it to you or not. It's there. We want to be like the prodigal son that said, I remember how good my father was. I'm going to go back to him. I'm going to, you know, and some of you might actually re need to repent to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, I actually believed that you weren't good for, in my life. Like, I believe that all these things equaled what you thought of me. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to have a time where we have communion. But before we come up, and you guys just come up as you want. I'm not going to do the row by row. But before you come up, I want you to just search your heart before God. Say, Lord... Have there been times where I doubted your goodness? I'm sorry. Or Lord, um, I'm coming back to those things I know you did for me, your promises. Thank you for those. I'm just going to remember them again by choice. Thank you for what you've done. And I thank you that even in the valley, you're with me in the presence of my enemies. You're there anointing me. And I thank you, God, that we, we just... Even just, I'll start praying. Lord, even right now, we believe that your goodness and mercy is going to follow us. And it won't even be, oh, I have to look for it. It'll be, I'm so positioned and living from a place of knowing you're good that I just start seeing it everywhere. I pray your goodness would, a sense of your goodness would just flow over all of us right now, God. And I pray that you would reveal where you've been good. Show us again, God. We don't want to begin our walk with you in the spirit and then finish it by striving in the flesh. Trying to get our own goodness, trying to climb the ladders of our own lives instead of receiving what you already gave us. And I just declare, God, your goodness over all of us right now. I thank you that your, your goodness leads us to repentance. And right now, God, there's places of our lives we need to repent. We just say we're sorry. We receive your goodness. We receive your forgiveness. We acknowledge your goodness in our lives, even if it's we can only think of the tiniest thing that you've done. Thank you for the tiniest thing. Thank you for the smallest thing. 
We thank you for the cross, God, and what you did. Thank you that it's real. And you're so good, and you loved us so much that you gave Jesus. And right now, as we uh, open up the altar and just come and have communion, Lord, we just remind ourselves of how good you are. And we thank you so much for your goodness that is shining towards us. Help us to see it more and more and more. And before I let everyone just begin having communion, does anyone in this room not walk with Jesus and you want to invite Jesus in your heart? You just give me a wave. You need to rededicate your heart. I'm not here to embarrass anybody, but I want to give anyone an opportunity. I've been talking about the goodness of God, and you're like, what is that? Well, that's nice for you Christians, but I'm going to just make my own way through the universe. Well, you have a set of fingerprints that God gave you that no one else has. And you have a place of eternity in your heart that God says eternity is written on the hearts of men. It's written on the hearts of humankind, and there's something inside all of us that knows there's a God and that he's real. And even amongst all the confusing questions we might have in this religion, there's something inside of us that knows it's real. And if that's you, you can give me a little smile or a little wave. I want to pray with you. And if not, praise the Lord. I bless you. Let's get better and better and better in him. But if that's any, any of you, just give me a little smile or a wave. I don't want to talk about Jesus and not invite you to let him into your heart. Okay, we're going to pray. There's no such thing as a sinner's prayer, but I'm just going to pray something. And if you want to rededicate your heart or if you want to give your life to Jesus, I want you to just repeat the prayer after me in your heart. And some of you, I don't know about you, but I always like rededicating my heart to God like every five minutes. I'm like, I'll give, I'll give it all to you, yes. <laughs> Why not? You don't lose anything by giving him it all again. So Jesus, we give you our hearts afresh. And we know your word says that we need to just check our hearts before we partake of communion, God. So if there's anyone we need to forgive, we just release forgiveness over anyone that has hurt us or anything that might be in our hearts, God. And we humble ourselves before you, Jesus. And we say we're so sorry for every sin we've ever done. And we ask for you to come and be the Lord of our lives. We believe that you're real. We believe that you died on the cross. We believe that you're our savior, you're our champion, and you're coming back again. So we give our lives to you afresh, and we just let go of every sin, every weight that entangles us. We let go of the sin, and we look to you, and we receive what you did on the cross. We say yes, yes to the cross, yes to your salvation. And we're crossing over right now from any dark thing into your kingdom now in Jesus' name. We give our hearts to you. We love you, Jesus. And we celebrate what you did for us on the cross right now as we partake of communion. In Jesus' name.